0: Writes and records these words of the things that he saw. And in verse 11, this is who is speaking. And he said, Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them to hide. And there I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and there the books were open. The book of deeds and the book of life. I want you to understand both of those books will be opened up. The book of deeds are the ones that, that record all the, the thoughts, the actions, the, the behavior, the attitudes, everything that we did while we were here on earth. And as far as the unrighteous are concerned, those that are not covered in the blood of Jesus Christ, those who have not accepted the sacrifice of Jesus, that book of deeds will become uh, their undoing. Those book of deeds will be weighted. Those deeds are what will be weighed in the balance and determine their eternal destination. Those deeds that have been accorded will be the very deeds that separate them from god for all eternity that is what the judgment the the great white throne of judgment will entail but they were standing before the throne and the books were open the book of deeds and the book of life the book of life is the 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 Lamb's Book of Life, where our names will be recorded, and if they're recorded in that book, we get to enter in. If they're not recorded in that book, then we will be cast out into darkness. But the great white throne is where all the things that were done in darkness will be brought to light. Where all the things that all the the unsaved or the unrighteous did, even our deeds will be brought to light, but all the things that were done in darkness at the, at the throne of God or at the inspection seat, at the judgment seat, that's where all the deeds will be brought to light. Where all the things that were done when we thought no one was looking, the things that were done in secret, the Bible says, will be shouted from the rooftop when it comes to the inspection gate, when it comes to the great white throne of God. There is nothing done... In the lives of man that has not been recorded by God and that will not be uh, taken into account when we stand before the great white throne, if that's where we stand. My prayers, there's not a single person in this house tonight that has to stand at the great white throne of judgment. My prayer is that we all will be able to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, which we're going to look at this evening. But but I want you to understand where the things that were done behind closed doors and when no one is looking at it, when it comes to the great white throne, they will all be brought to exposure. Without the blood of Christ being applied, those things, like I said, that were done will be judged and our sin at that point will condemn us to death. Because if our name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, if our name is not recorded in the book of life, the great white throne becomes a place of eternal damnation. It becomes a place of eternal condemnation, church. It's where man will be compensated for his sin because the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. The Bible tells us that the compensation for sin is death. The, the, the Bible tells us that the just reward or the just payment for sin is eternal death and eternal separation from God. And that's why we need the blood of Jesus Christ. Because without the blood of Jesus Christ, the payment that you and I will receive is eternal separation from God. The payment that we will receive uh, based on all the deeds that are recorded in the book of deeds is not reward. It's not good things. It's not a place in heaven. The reward that we will earn or be compensated for is death. that's why we need to make sure that we examine ourselves like I talked about last week. That we make today the day of salvation so that we are assured that we won't stand before the great white throne of judgment. Because unfortunately those who refuse to believe and receive Christ will stand in judgment like we talked about last week. And they will be cast into eternal darkness. The Bible says both great and small, meaning rich and poor. Meaning powerful and insignificant. Meaning the, the high guy and the low guy. Meaning, and all of those in between, both great and small. No matter what your position is in life, no matter what place of power you may have held in life, the Bible says without Jesus Christ, great or small, you will stand in judgment before the Lord God Almighty. So none of us can think that any power we have or any position we have here on earth will dictate a a uh, will di- a leniency I would say when we stand before God it won't no matter what our position might be the reality is everyone without Jesus Christ has a death sentence over their head like I spoke about last week, church. And death will be doled out at the great white throne. The unsaved, the unsanctified, the unrighteous, the uncovered uh, will appear before the thronos. They will appear before the judge of the condemned, and there they will be sentenced unto death. I'm not sure, is that my is that my belt pack or something that's making all of that? Are you all hearing that, or is that just me out of my monitors? You're hearing that? I don't know. I'll see what I can do here. It might be my... Hold on one sec. Anyway, that was where the unsaved will be sentenced to death. But tonight I want to focus on the judgment that the righteous will face. Tonight I want to... Focus on the judgment that the saved shall face, church. Those that are sanctified and those that are set apart for every good work. You see, there is a difference between the judgments that the two of us will face. When you and I are sanctified, when we are set apart, when we have consecrated ourselves unto Christ and made ourselves of great value to the kingdom of God, there's a different judgment. That is the judgment seat of Christ. And that's where we will earn rewards. That's where we will be weighed in the balance and we will be judged according to what we have done while in the body of Christ, the Bible says. Remember, I want you to remember that... that. At the rapture, the church or the believer or the bride of Jesus Christ will be caught up into heaven. We've already learned that when we went to one of the previous gates. But meanwhile, here on earth, the tribulation begins. The rapture takes place. The bride of Christ, those that are saved, those that are in Christ, will be spared from the tribulation. It is a time of deliverance which we've learned will be taken up into heaven to be with the Lord. Meanwhile, here on earth, the tribulation will begin. Seven years of tribulation. Seven years without the church having an influence on this world. Seven years without the righteous having an influence on this world. Seven years without the spirit of God dwelling among the people and moving among the people and tugging at the hearts of people. Seven years without the spirit of God residing on the earth influencing the earth or having any role on the earth. Seven years of hell the Bible refers to. It will be seven years of tribulation that will take place on the earth. Seven years without mercy and without grace, the Bible says, because the Spirit of the Lord will have departed at that point. It will be seven years of tribulation. But during during the tribulation, after our arrival in heaven via the rapture, the Bible tells us that certain events will begin to take place uh, and that the rapture... The raptured individuals will be a part of those events. They will participate in some of those events. And one of the very first events that is recorded that the raptured church or the bride will participate in is takes place at the judgment seat of Christ. That's what we're going to look at this evening. What I want you to understand is that when we come before the judgment seat of Christ, it is not a judgment seat where guilt and innocence are decided. It is not where sin will be judged. It is not where, where our sins will be condemned unto death, church, because for those who are washed in the blood, Christ has already judged our sin. Christ has already paid the price. For those that are washed in the blood of the Lamb, for those that have accepted Jesus Christ, for those who have confessed spiritual bankruptcy in their own life, for those that have yielded to the government of God and surrendered to uh, Jesus Christ as Lord, for those individuals, Christ has already served the death sentence that was once ours. Christ has served it, therefore we don't have to. That's why when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, it will not be a judgment based on sin because Jesus Christ already paid that price. Jesus Christ already suffered the punishment. Jesus Christ took our sentence upon Him, and He already paid the price. Amen. That's why we will not stand in judgment at the judgment seat of Christ, and our sin won't be judged there. I want you to remember, that's why when I said, when it comes to being weighed in the balance... When it comes to that time at the inspection gate, when our lives are put on the scales, the only thing that will tip the scales in our favor is the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's why we must apply the blood of Jesus Christ to our lives. Because without it, we will not stand at the judgment seat of Christ. We will stand at the great white throne of judgment. So the judgment seat of Christ is not where we are judged for our sins, the sins that have been covered in the blood. It's not where we are judged by the things we have done prior to the blood. It's where we will be judged after the blood has been applied to our lives. If you can understand that, I don't want to get too teaching. But there comes a point in our life when you accept Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ is applied to your life. All your sins from that moment beyond, before and beyond, are covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. They're washed away. Now, is that to say I I don't have to ever go and repent? I don't ever have to go before the Lord and humble myself? No. That's saying that, that prior to the blood of Jesus Christ being applied to your life, all of those sins are washed away. Your old life is washed away, and you and I won't be judged by those things at the judgment seat of Christ. But we will be judged by what we do from that day on. We will be judged by what we do with the blood of Jesus Christ, what we do with the name of Jesus Christ, what we do with the word of Jesus Christ, what we do with the opportunity we have been given through salvation. After the blood of Jesus Christ has been applied to our lives, when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ, we will be judged by what we have done from the moment we accepted Jesus Christ into our life until the day we stand before judgment. You see, the reality is every single one of us, even the saved, will give an account for every moment of their life. Everything they have done or failed to do after the blood of Jesus Christ was applied to their life. After God's grace was granted to you and I. You see, the reality is we will face some sort of a judgment. It won't cast us into death. But it will determine our rewards. It will determine even something greater than our rewards, which we're going to look at as I at the close of this. Something that that has much more to do than what we will gain when we get to heaven. We're going to look at that as we go. But the judgment seat of Christ, according to 2 Corinthians five ten, is where each one of us will receive what is due us for the things that were done while in the body, the Bible says. This place of judgment has also been called the Bema because it is likened to the ancient Greek Olympic Games where competitors would stand before the Bema platform, it is called, and they would be judged and scored, and then they would be decorated according to their performance according to their great accomplishments and according to their great accomplishments and according to the score that they gathered they would step up low or they would step up high and the same exact thing is applied today I know you all watch the Olympics and I know that you know that when the Olympics are done you climb up higher if you get the gold you climb a little lower if you get the silver and you climb a little lower if you get the bronze but at even in today's Olympic games every competitor before They they stand before what is called the Bema and they are judged. They are scored based on their performance and how well they had done. And if they had some flaws and they had some, they would lose some points, okay? We don't lose our salvation, but we lose some points, the Bible says, and we will be uh, rewarded according to our performance. It's not by, uh, we are not saved by works. We are saved by grace, but we are rewarded by works, We are rewarded based on good deeds. We are rewarded based on our faithfulness. We are rewarded based on our sacrifice and our service to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Listen, if you get saved and you live your whole life for you, you got no reward. If you get saved and you plead the blood of Jesus Christ and you live for you, I think you need to do what I said last week. You better examine yourself to see if you really are saved. Because once the blood of Jesus Christ touches your life and you understand the price that He paid, something happens in the soil of your soul and you want to do something for God. If you've got no desire to satisfy the King, you better examine yourself to see if you're in the way. In the real way or just in the way of, of, of blessing and in the way of reward. You know, you can be in the way of blessings you can be in the way, you can be your own obstacle to God's rewards and God's blessings in your life. We've got to examine ourselves every day to make sure that we're on the right path so that when we stand before the bema seat of God or the bema seat of Christ, we can be rewarded for the things that we have done for the kingdom of God. It's where we will stand, church. We will be judged in the same way according... ...to what we have done while in the body, the Bible says. We will be judged. We will be weighed in the balance. We will have scorecards just like they do today. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. There is a parable that teaches us that some individuals that are even saved... ...will get a zero and have to stand before the Lord with a big zero over their life... And they will be saved by the skin of their teeth, the Bible says. They will be saved merely, simply by the grace of God. You see, you can live your whole life accord you can live your whole life not sinning, not in debauchery. You can live your whole life uh, not being caught up in the things of the world, not loving the world, but at the same time not doing anything for God. And that individual will get a zero when they stand before the Lord. And, and the great mansion and the, and the great reward and the, and the great crowns that they think will be awaiting them one day. They'll hang their head in shame because they have no reward. Because they have done nothing for the kingdom of God. Because they were hoping in some false idea. You see, Christ paid the price for your salvation. You've got to earn your rewards You've got to earn your blessings. You've got to earn your place in heaven. You've got to earn your mansion. You understand? You've got to earn your favor. You've got to earn your way up in the rank and the, and, the, and the family of God. Jesus had to pay an awesome price to be seated by the right hand of the Father. Jesus had to shed His blood before He was given a name which is above every name. You think that we got to do any less? There is a price that needs to be paid, church, in order for us to receive an eternal reward. We cannot lose sight of that, church. In Luke 19, verse 11 to 27, Jesus tells the parable of ten servants who were given ten minas. It's a great example of what will happen at the judgment seat of Jesus Christ and how we will be rewarded accordingly. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I encourage you to read it. Ten servants, I'm just going to do a synopsis here. Ten servants were given three months' wages. They were given about 20 bucks each. And they were all told to do business with what they had just been given. The master had given ten talents, or ten minas, to ten servants. They were all given the same exact thing. And he said, I'm going away. And I want you to do something. I want you to do business with these minas. And when I come back, I want to see what you did. When I come back, you're going to be weighed in the balance. When I come back, you're going to be put on the scales. And I'm going to see what you did with what I gave you. You, I'm going to see what you did with what I entrusted unto you. I want to see what you built upon the foundation that I gave to you. That's what this story is all about, church. He said, do business with these. He was telling them actually to go forth and multiply what had been given to them. He was telling them to go forth and multiply that which was entrusted unto them until the day that the Master returns. I hope you understand that there has been something of great value entrusted to you and me through the blood of Jesus Christ. God has put something of great value in our hands through the blood and the grace and the favor and the mercy of God. And He and He has entrusted that unto us until the day that He returns. And when He returns, we will then be put in the balance. And we will be examined and the book of deeds will be opened and our accomplishments after the blood of Jesus Christ has been applied to our life. Are Those are the things that will be weighed in the balance to see whether we deserve any kind of reward, any kind of crown, any kind of compensation or if we receive nothing at all. This is what you and I need to understand. I know it's hard to grasp that when we think about heaven. But I want you to understand that there is rank and order even in the kingdom of God. It is called a kingdom because there is rank and order. There are individuals in the the kingdoms that will rule over other individuals. I want you to understand when it comes to the thousand year reign, there will be rank and there will be order. There will be individuals that rule over cities and rule over kingdoms and rule over townships and rule over communities. The reality is your own Pastor Allen could be a ruler during the thousand year reign over Sharpsburg, Georgia because of his faithfulness to the kingdom of God. I, I, I don't want to get too beyond your, your, your mental capacity here, but the kingdom of God operates through order. And our reward can even bring us a place of leadership in the kingdom of God. And it's demonstrated in this parable that Jesus teaches. When the master returned, each servant was weighed. They were scored, they were judged, and they were rewarded according to what they had done with their money while the master was gone. The reality is, in the same exact way, we have been entrusted with ten minas as well. We've all been entrusted with a measure of time. We have all been entrusted with a measure of talent or skill or abilities. Every single one of us have been entrusted with a measure of treasure. And all of what we do with those things will be put in the balance and God will weigh it out and, and determine where, what our reward shall be based on what we have done with what he has invested into our life. If you read the story, you find that the rewards were as great as one servant receiving ten cities because of how faithful he was with the little that he was given. And you will also find that someone was given nothing at all. You'll actually find the one individual who was given ten minas had those taken away. He's the individual that will get in by the skin of his teeth. He's the one that will get in just by the, the good grace of God. I want you to understand what I'm talking about here, church. The reality is one man turned ten minas into ten cities because when the master came back, this passage tells us that he said unto one of them, the master said to one of the servants, Well done, my good servant. He said, Well done, my good servant. You have been faithful in the little, so I will make you ruler over much. And the Bible says he was given rule over ten cities. And then it also says that the master said, he said, enter into the joy of your master. You and I need to realize that God takes great joy in rewarding his children. God takes great, but but listen, I left a word out. God takes great joy in rewarding his faithful followers. God takes great joy in rewarding those that diligently seek Him. He takes great pleasure in rewarding those who make Him first, who who have consecrated themselves to Him, who seek after Him with all of their heart, mind, soul, and strength. He, He takes great pleasure in rewarding His faithful and good servants. Not His lazy ones. There's nowhere in Scripture where you find God rewarding a lazy saint. There's nowhere in Scripture where you find God rewarding an individual that's trying to take blessings from someone else, who's riding in on someone else's coattails, who's waiting for mommy to bless me, or daddy to bless me, or, or pastor to carry me along. You You and I need to understand that the kingdom of God doesn't operate that way need to understand that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him and who faithfully serve Him. These are where our rewards come out, church. You see, Jesus is teaching us that the Lord will reward His faithful and responsible servants, not His lazy ones. What we can't forget is that with our confession of faith comes a responsibility. With our confession of faith comes a Christian duty. With our confession of saying I am part of the body of Christ or part of the family of Christ, when you and I confess that, there automatically comes a Christian duty and a Christian responsibility to the kingdom of God and to the king of kings, to our brothers and sisters in the Lord, to the family of God and the house of God. You see, if you recall the first part of our series, even before I got to one of the first gates, we talked about the number 10, because there's 10 gates that went around the city, and the number 10 in Scripture represents responsibility. All throughout Scripture, the number 10 represents responsibility. The Ten Commandments represent our responsibility to God and our responsibility to man. The Ten Virgins were responsible to watch and wait and be ready. The Lord's Prayer is made up of ten sentences or ten sections, in it, and it demonstrates our responsibility to be people of prayer, to communicate with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And here, in this passage of Scripture, in Luke 19, ten servants were given a responsibility, and the faithful ones were greatly rewarded. The unfaithful weren't. The faithful ones are the ones that are rewarded, and those are the individuals that will be rewarded at the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. The inspection gate should always remind us that we have a responsibility to God. The inspection gate should always remind us that we have a responsibility as a son or a daughter of the Most High God. As a so-called faithful follower church. The journey that we have taken around the city so far, like I said, has ten gates, church, reminding us again of our spiritual responsibility. Every gate that we looked at is our personal responsibility. If you and I want to come into right standing with God, if you and I want to be accepted by God, if you and I want to make sure that we are presented to God pure and spotless, without any uh, wrinkle or any other blemish, we need to understand that we have a responsibility in that process. We can't leave it up to the pastor or anybody else. It is our own personal responsibility, church. Listen, every single one of us have been given an equal amount of God's grace. Because Jesus Christ shed the same amount of blood for me as He did for you. He shed the same amount of blood for all those that have gone before us as He has for all those that will come after us. He shed the same amount of blood for the pastor as He does for the guy that cuts our grass. He shed the same amount of blood for your son and your daughter as He did for your mom and your dad. Jesus Christ shed the same amount of blood, therefore we have all been given the same exact amount of grace. We have to realize that every single one of us have been given an equal opportunity to go forth and multiply. Well, maybe your time isn't the same amount, but we have all been given an equal opportunity to go forth and multiply what God has sown into our lives, church. Rich or poor, young or old, married or single... Black or white, young or old, mom or dad, husband or wife, male or female, every single one of us have been granted the same amount of grace. Therefore, we have the same responsibilities to the kingdom of God. Every single one of us have the same responsibility to Jesus Christ and to the King of kings and Lord of lords. All of us. Because Jesus died for all of us, we all have the same exact responsibility, church. We all have the same responsibility to build our lives upon the rock of Jesus Christ. To build it on the rock and not sinking sand. That's the responsibility that we have. Listen, I've I've preached it once. I've preached it a thousand times. And that's that every single one of us have been called into the ministry of Jesus Christ. Every single one of us have been called into service for the King. Every single one of us have been called to be a mouthpiece for God. Every single one of us have been called to be salt and called to be light. Every single one of us have the same exact spirit available to us to go out and to affect the world. Every single one of us have been called to go out into the highways and the byways and to compel them to come in. Every single one of us have been called to live above reproach. Every single one of us have been called to love not the world or to be like the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we might prove the goodwill of God in our lives. We all have the same responsibility, church, and we cannot forget that when it comes to the inspection gate. The truth is, Jesus was speaking to each and every one of us when he was taken up into heaven. And he said, go therefore into all the earth and do what? Preach the gospel. He said it to all of us. He didn't just say it to a handful of followers that were standing there one day. He didn't just say it to the early church, he said it to us, and he's saying it to everyone that will come after us. Go therefore into all the earth and preach the gospel. I want you to understand that when Jesus was taken into heaven, he made the priority of the Christian very plain. I want you to understand that he cut through all the junk, and he cut through all the excuses, and he cut through all the pretensions, and as he was taken up into heaven, he made our priorities very clear. The very first priority was to go, therefore, into all the earth and preach the gospel. He made our priorities very clear when he said, be salt and be light. He made our priorities very clear when he said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And we're to spread those things in the world. He made our priorities and our responsibilities very clear as He was taken up into heaven. But for some reason, we've forgotten that. We've allowed excuses and we've allowed all sorts of other things to get in the way of our number one priority in the eyes of God. And that is to advance the kingdom of God. It is to promote the Word of God. The sacrifice and the blood of Jesus Christ. To spread the good news of the gospel. Understand Jesus didn't say, Go therefore into the earth and fall in love with it. He didn't say, Go therefore into all the earth and bow down to it. He didn't say, Go therefore into all the earth and build yourself a great name. He didn't say, Go therefore into all the earth and store up lots of treasure. He didn't say, Go therefore into all the earth and be, into all the earth and be conformed to it and be like it. As a matter of fact, He said, If you are a friend to the world, you are an enemy to Me. He said, do not be conformed to this world or like it in any way, because those who are will stand in judgment. This is what you and I need to understand. Jesus said, go therefore into all the earth and preach the gospel. Preach it. Why? Preach it. Because there's someone that's lost that needs to be found. Because there's someone that's blind that needs to see. Because there's someone that's going down a wrong road and he needs to be taught the right way. Preach the gospel because there's someone that's been listening to a lie and they need to know the truth. Preach the gospel because someone needs hope. Preach the gospel because someone needs light. Preach the gospel because someone needs salt to preserve them and to keep them from judgment. Preach the gospel because it's the number one priority of every Christian. But so often we push it off on the pastor and we push it off on the priest and we push it off on the prophet and we push it off on the king and we push it off on someone else when God has called us to go preach the gospel. We cannot forget that. That's our responsibility. Sadly, we're being preached at more than we're preaching to. Understand church, sadly the reality is we are preached, we are being preached more at then we are preaching to others. And there's something wrong with that. Why do you think Paul was aggravated with the Hebrew church when he said you all ought to be teachers by now? But you're not. i got to keep teaching you and preaching to you the elementary truths over and over and over again. And so often we find ourselves in the same spot. The reality is we've been preached out enough. Now it's time for us to be doers of the Word and not hearers only who deceive themselves. The reality is, here in America, we've heard enough sermons to carry us through till the day Christ comes back. We need to start preaching it. We need to start sharing it. We need to start showing it. We need to start being a mouthpiece and a living oracle for the Word of God. And that's what we will be judged on. Understand me, we will be judged based on the number one priority God put in our life. The number one priority was to preach the gospel, to be salt and light, and that's the number one judgment that will take place. What have you done with my son? What have you done with his blood? What have you done with his mercy? What have you done with His grace? What have you done with My Word? What have you done with the opportunity that I have given to you as sons and daughters through the sacrifice and the death of My Son? He died, God is saying, so that you could live. What are you doing with His death? So often we're trampling on the blood instead of promoting the blood. So often we're trampling on the blood instead of pleading the blood and and sharing the blood. So often we're taking that grace for granted instead of building upon it. Carrying it forward. This is what the inspection gate is about, church. You and I need to realize that we will be weighed in the balance based on what we have done with Jesus Christ. And the great sacrifice and price that He has paid. You see he is putting the same responsibility on all of us but oh how this generation hates responsibility this generation wants everything for nothing and everything for free no one wants to pay the price no one wants to make the sacrifice Everyone wants to wander in late and everyone wants to cut out early and they still want the bonus and they still want the raise and they still want the corner office and they still want their names up in light and they still want a a special name tag on their, on their, on their desk. They still want favor, but they've never paid the price. And then they get upset. Today's generation gets upset. Slackers in this generation get upset because they're not getting a reward. Listen to me. Listen. You and I need to understand that God does not work that way. His kingdom does not work that way like I said, church. Listen. Our government and our president might like to give out money to those who don't deserve it. But God doesn't work that way. Just because our government works that way doesn't mean God's government works that way. It costs Jesus... Listen. God's grace costs someone something. It's called the free gift of grace, but it ain't free. It costs Jesus Christ his life. There's nothing for free. The grace of God isn't free. It costs Jesus his life. He paid the price you would have had to pay. So don't think it doesn't cost anything. We're living in a generation, even in the house of God, that wants blessings for nothing. Oh, they want to be seated in heavenly places, but they don't want to pay the price. They want to hear from God like Moses did and like David did, but they don't want to climb the mountain. They want to live down in the valley and they they think they can experience the mountaintop. Well, it doesn't work that way. We've got to learn and be willing to climb the mountains. We've got to be learned and willing to pay the price in order to reap a reward. Start finding a place to wind this down. But in the, the first letter to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 3, 7 to 15, it says, it's a good example of the rima or the bima or the judgment seat, what will take place. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. Listen, you're not going to be rewarded for my hard work. You're not going to be rewarded for my praying and my fasting and my studying. You might get a blessing from it, but you won't be rewarded from it. Listen, I won't be blessed. I won't be rewarded based on the sacrifices our pastor makes. No one will be rewarded by, for anyone else's service except the service that Jesus Christ provided on our behalf. But when it comes to rewards, we will all be rewarded for our own hard work. Not for our sleeping, not for our lackadaisical, not for our you know, complacency, for our own hard work. For we are both God's workers and you are God's field, you are God's building. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building upon it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any other foundation than the one that has already been laid, and that is Jesus Christ. Listen, anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, and we're using them today. Gold, silver, jewels, and wood, hay, and straw, or some say stubble. But on the judgment day, when we stand before the bema seat, when we come before the judgment seat of God, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done, and fire will show if a person's work has any value, the Bible says. You see, the reality is a lot of us will stand before the Lord, and everything we thought we did, poof! will be burned up and we'll be standing there naked before the Lord with absolutely nothing of value. Nothing. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it survives the flame, if it survives the fire, a reward will come our way. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. And everything that had been given to him, the ten menas that had been given to him, they will all be taken away. And it says, but they will barely escape through a wall of flames. Or some versions say they will barely escape even by the skin of their teeth. I didn't know the teeth had skin, but it's got to be pretty thin if it does. Listen, I don't want to be the one that... Ugh, Gets into heaven by the skin of my teeth. I, I don't want it to come down to that much question as to whether I'm going to stand before the Lord for all eternity or I'm going to be put out into the darkness. So, now listen, I've got to examine myself every day to make sure that I get into heaven by more than the skin of my teeth, church. And I hope your prayer is the same. You see, the reality is our lives at the Bema seat will be tested by fire. We will all go through the flame, every single one of us. We will be tested according to what we have built. Listen, on the grace of God, on the mercy of God, we will be tested based on what we have built upon the blood of Jesus Christ and the price that he paid for you and me. In verse 12 of this this passage that we had looked at, the things of value that we have done for the Lord represent the gold and the silver and the jewels and the bronze and all the precious metals. All the things that we have done for the kingdom of God, all the love that we have demonstrated, all the fruits of the Spirit that have been operating in our lives, all the, the lives that we have touched through the power and the grace of God, all the service we have rendered to the King and to His kingdom, all the work that we have done for the Lord, those things represent gold and silver and jewels all the things that we have done for the one that we love for the one that paid the price for our lives all of those things are the things that will survive the fire a lot of people believe that all of the things that we do for the kingdom of God are the very things that will build our mansion in heaven it may not be theological but it makes sense and it's easy for you to understand the reality is every time you do a great work for God You are providing him some precious material to build your mansion, to build your kingdom, to build your inheritance. If you want more than a shack, get busy. If you want to drive around in more than a jalopy, start doing something good for God. If you don't want to have a whole bunch of people ruling over you in heaven and during the thousand-year reign, and that's even hard to comprehend because, listen, in the kingdom of God there is no jealousy, there is no ego, there is no pride. Nothing is done selfishly motivated. That's why it's even hard to grasp some of this. But the reality is if you want to have an inheritance, you've got to start doing something for the kingdom of God or you're going to stand there with nothing. A reward that won't be yours. Look, and I'm, I'm, I'm starting to, to find a place to bring this to a close. But we, what we need to understand are those that have done great things for God. Those are the things that will endure. Those are the things that will make it through the fire and through the flame. Now, those who have built their lives properly upon the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, the sad truth is there, were, there was a great time in my life where I thought I was a Christian, but I was building junk on the blood of Jesus Christ. I was building an awful building upon the the sacrifice that Jesus Christ had made on behalf of me. I wasn't building a right building. I was using the wrong stuff. There was no gold. There was no silver. There was no jewels. There was no bronze or precious metals at some point in my life. There wasn't a lot being stored up, up in heaven. But somewhere in my life, I learned the lesson that that I better start storing up some treasures in heaven. So that when I get there, I'll have a reward, not for me, but for something even more important. However, those who have built their lives with wood, hay, and straw, they'll be sorely disappointed. Because like I said, when they stand before the Lord, all that they have will be uh, all that they have and all that they have built for themselves will be burned up. Like I said, they'll be standing before the Lord empty handed with nothing of value to offer the king. For the individual that that lives for themselves, even as a Christian, for the individual that makes all sorts of excuses and and, and allows fear or frustrations or all sorts of other things to get in the way of their work for God that keeps them from answering the call of Jesus Christ upon their lives, those individuals will have failed to have fulfilled Deuteronomy sixteen sixteen, that says that we should never come before the king empty-handed. But the reality is there will be some individuals, even in the house of God, that when they're put on that scale, the fire of God consumes everything that can be consumed. They'll be standing there empty-handed. And those are the individuals that talks about will be ashamed. Their head will go down because they've got nothing of value to offer the one that paid an awesome price for their life. I don't know about you, church, but I want to be able to offer my king the absolute best that I can offer him. I don't want to stand before the one who holds eternity in his hands and not be able to offer him something, especially because he gave me his only begotten son. Because he shed his blood so that I might have life. So he died so that I might live. That's worth something, church. And my whole life should be motivated because of the love that he demonstrated towards me. My motivation shouldn't be so that I have a mansion in heaven. My motivation shouldn't be so I can heap up piles of gold and roll around in it when I get to glory. My motivation should be because I love Jesus Christ. Because He paid an awesome price. You see, the reality is, church, what we have to realize is that the only thing that we will be able to offer to the lord are the rewards that we get uh, it may be hard for you to, to understand but the bible talks all about you and i receiving crowns the bible actually says that the it says in 1 corinthians 9:24 it says run in such a way as to get the prize Do you not know that everyone who competes in games goes into strict training? They do it to receive a crown that will not last, a crown that will be consumed by fire. But we who are building on Christ do it to get a crown that will last forever. But here's what I want you to understand as I close, because this is more important than anything else that we've learned. Although the Bible speaks of several crowns that will be given to the faithful church, the crowns actually have a greater purpose than for us. These crowns have a greater purpose other than for us to just wear them and show them off and boast and brag about them. Because like I said, there won't be any of that in heaven. So what is the real reason for our crowns? What is the real reason for the rewards that we get? The Bible makes it clear that those crowns that we will receive will one be laid down at the feet of the one who died for us. We all will lay down our crowns. Well, where are you going to get your crown to lay down before the king? Where are you going to get the crown? Unless you serve the king, you won't have a crown to give to the king. You see, the reality is everything that we do should be motivated by love. Everything that we do should point towards that day and the desire that when I stand before the one that offered me his son... I can lay down a crown at his feet. That I can lay something of value before the one who paid the greatest price that could ever be paid. It's not so I can roll around in money when I get to glory. It's so that I have something of great value to present to the Lord. Listen, listen. The individual that, the individual that has nothing to offer His entire Christian life had a very weak love for the Lord. Our reward will be based on the love that we have for God. And the depth of our love that we have for God will determine how many crowns we'll be able to lay at his feet. And this is what we need to understand. We shouldn't go through life. I I know, listen, I'm not saying, yeah, we should look forward to these great things in heaven. I know we sing about, I've got a mansion and I've got this and I've got that. But listen, it's not about you and it's not about me. You're not the one that's going to be magnified when you get up into glory. I'm not the one that people are going to bow down to. I'm not the one they're going to surround and and hear the words, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. You're not going to hear, Holy, Holy, Holy is Pastor Jeff. You're going to hear, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was and is and is yet to come. The whole earth is filled with His glory. Amen. Listen, that's what should motivate us, church. That's what this whole journey of spiritual restoration has been about. We started at the sheep gate. I'm closing. We started at the sheep gate. We come all the way back around to the sheep gate. Because even while they were building the inspection gate, it talks about the sheep gate. It starts with Jesus Christ and it ends with Jesus Christ. Why? Because He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's not about you and it's not about me. It's not about all the great things we accomplished while we were here on earth for ourselves. It's what we did for God that matters. That's the only thing that will be weighed in the balance. What did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? So that's what we're going to close with. If you're here tonight and you say, God, you know, we've gone through ten gates. Got a lot of work to do, God. I'm still working on gate number three, some of you might say. Ah, how can I worry about gate number 10? The reality is it's a circle. It's a constant work that's taking place in our life. It's a constant work that will take place in our life until the trumpet sounds and until we come before the king, until our life is weighed in the balance. But again, if you're here tonight and you say, God, I want the, the scales. I know I said it last week, but I want the scales to tip in my balance. I've been living for myself. I've been building a name for myself and a city for myself, like those in Genesis chapter five or five or eleven, I think it is, where they build a city and a name unto themselves at the Tower of Babel. That's not what it's all about. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about God. So you're here tonight, and you say, "God, I've got. I'm going to commit to some building. I know I've got some work to do. I know I've got some." Walls to build, I know I've got some gates to repair and I want to do it because when I want to be prepared for that inspection gate. So when I stand at the judgment seat of Christ, I can have my reward so that I can hear you say, well done, thy good and faithful servant enter into the joy that has been prepared for you. That's you stand to your feet this evening because we're going to commit ourselves to Christ, commit ourselves to the Lord, commit ourselves to building and working Until we have no more time. Amen. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for this series, God, that you've brought us through, the the truths that you've given us, the revelation that you've given us, the challenges that you've put before us. Thank you for your patience, Father God, that you've demonstrated towards us. We thank you for the the grains of stand or the, the grains of grace that are still available to us today. I thank you, Father God, that you're not finished with us even yet. You're still working on us. You're still forming us, molding us, making us, transforming us into the likeness of your Son, Jesus Christ. But tonight, we stand here, God, saying that there's some work for us to do. There's some duties that still have to be fulfilled. There's some responsibilities that we have to take, uh, take personal responsibility for. Been waiting on someone else, relying on someone else. But tonight, God... We're taking our own personal responsibilities. We're asking God that you would help us to be prepared for the inspection gate. I'm praying, God, that if there's anyone here this evening that's not ready to stand before you, that they would do that. That they would plead the blood of Jesus Christ. That they would call on you for forgiveness, Father God. That they would yield their throne to you. That they would surrender to your government, Father God, and your authority in their life. But as far as the judgment seat of Christ goes, I pray, Father, that you would teach us to be motivated by love so that when we stand there, we have something of value to bring before the throne, that we have something of great value that we can lay before the one that gave his own son so that whosoever believeth in him might not perish, but have everlasting life. So guide us and lead us, I pray, in the path of everlasting Give us strength, give us wisdom, give us insight. I pray that you would meet every need that we have according to your riches and glory, God, and help us to be faithful servants that might hear you say, well done. Enter in, enter into the joy that has been prepared for you. We thank you for that, Father God, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Can we bless the Lord, church? Amen. As always, if you have a special need, I'll be happy to tarry with you, pray with you. Otherwise, be blessed and do some kingdom work.